0: Some of you, this is going to be your first time here at our church, and uh, I won't have you raise a hand or stand up. I grew up in churches that made you stand, and it was the worst moment ever. Uh, you never saw them again either. You know, it was like they they, they, they gone. So uh, it may be your first time here, and I think coming to a church for the first time has some little bit of anxiety with it. You don't know the space well, and you look around and there's unfamiliar people, or maybe even the, the songs are unfamiliar. But what I want you to do tonight is just be, just be, be welcome. Know that you're in a safe place. Um, there won't be zero snakes handled tonight and, and zero Kool-Aid served of any flavor. So um, have, just be comfortable tonight. Um, you know, everyone here tonight is serious about something. And even the most laid back people in, in the room are, are serious about something. You know, we could just start listing things and some of those you wouldn't care about and there would be other things that you really care about. And, but the truth is every single one of us has something in our lives or a few things, a short list of something that you're, you can get pretty, pretty riled up about. Um, and so some people are, are serious about being vegan you know, um, they, uh, they're all about it. And the reason you can tell that they're serious about vegan is because they tell you every chance they get. Okay. So, um, the, the Northerners, they're pretty serious about not having sweet tea in their restaurants. It's so, um, annoying when you travel and you start going North, you sweet tea stays in the South. And so you'll say, can I have a sweet tea? And they're like, no, but we have Splenda. Well, I didn't ask for Splenda, did I? So, um, But uh, Southerners, um, they like church a lot, but they like Chick-fil-A even more than that. So they really love Chick-fil-A. They like church. They love Chick-fil-A. Until Sunday, and then they realize they really are upset with Chick-fil-A. And, um, you know, there are some of you in this place, too, you're pretty serious about NASCAR. Um, I never make a joke about NASCAR because NASCAR fans are also the ones who are carrying firearms tonight. So I just, I, I leave it alone. I'm just like, it's an NASCAR thing. Let's just keep going. Um, but Jesus was serious about a couple of things too. I think when we look uh, through scripture, we, we like to think that Jesus was this um, approachable and laid back kind of person, always in control and uh, was not anxious for anything. Um, was not uh, struggling with sin, was full of the Spirit, uh, was deity. And, uh, you know, they always teach in seminary, he was 100% God and 100% man. And if you don't wrap your mind around that in the beginning, everything that follows that gets really confusing. Um, But that's who he was. But we do see several times and several examples in Scripture where Christ was very, very serious about things. I, I find it to be, in my own reading... Um, I find it to be when he would gather people together in small groups, and he would just kind of unveil secrets and unveil mystery, and he would answer questions, and he would get very pointed, and uh, he would say, you know, this is what that is like, and he would begin to teach through parable, and um, he would get very, very serious about um, a few things. We see him cleanse the temple. That was a very serious moment. And uh, so we know that he had a lot of things that were going on inside of him that were very serious. And but one of those things that I'm going to touch base on tonight, and this Easter message is really a quick reminder to every single person in the room how important and great and grand it is that we experience this and celebrate it this weekend because it's one of those things that stays with us for not, not only our physical lifetime, but in eternity. But Christ was very serious about reconnecting people to God. It's like every conversation he had, every healing that, that was done, um, every time he, he um, got in, in small groups and visited a family or taught a crowd or, or pushed away into the sea to teach people from a boat, it was all about this reconnection to God. People knew the story of Abraham. They knew the story of Abraham's God. They knew what the law was. And he wanted them to understand that this was so much more than a punch list. And he wanted to reconnect them to Father God. It was very, very important to him. So as he began to introduce himself as the bridge between a creator and his creation... I believe that he firmly came to us with a plan. The cross was not accidental. It was not something that was a whim. It wasn't something that he got caught up in. It wasn't emotionalism that moved him. Um, There was none of those things. I believe that Christ came to earth with a very clear and distinct plan, and that was to rescue us to minister to us, to encourage us, to reconnect us, to do away with a a frame of mind and a mentality that was scared of God or that God was a very distant deity, that God was in any way like the deity of the, uh, the Romans. He was nothing like that, and he was trying his best to prove that and teach that and model that. So Jesus came to us with a big plan. The story of Jesus is vast. We mostly devour it through the Gospels, and we look at these stories, and as I often preach and I'm jealous of, there was a lot that was left out. There was only so much content to be put into one writing or one sitting or one letter, and so there was a lot, as it finds us today, that he may have done, that he did do, that we just don't have the details on. But if it were happening in today's world, if the crucifixion, if the savior of the world were happening in today's world, there would be reporters from every major station. There would be YouTubers and TikTokers all eager to boost their influence off of a king who never wore a physical crown. There would be hashtags and reels about a local man who loved the community, served the broken, washed the feet of the poor, yet was hated even to the point of death. We know from the years of history before him that there was a much larger story in motion. When we traversed through the details of the Old Testament, everything, every story, every person of faith, every judge, every prophet, every prayer was an indicator of a Savior. Everything was pointing toward the birth and the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So we know it was a much bigger story in motion. It was a sin story. And it was a big story. And it was a bigger than sin story. This plan began even in the Garden of Eden. It was early. It, 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 it came almost immediately as God promised that the serpent's head would be crushed. So like light shearing through darkness, this plan of his traveled through eons of time and countless generations to cross a long-awaited finish line. It's the grandest of conclusions, and it's found in one big underlying sentence that I believe he wanted to say since the first sin. And I'd like to share that with you. John chapter 19 and verse 30. All the things have happened. The betrayal, the beating, the plucking of a beard, the slapping of a face, spitting upon him, A beating that historians say many would not have survived. The historical writer Josephus, and I don't even know what he means by this, but he said that you could see the organs of Christ through his back. No one really even knows medically what that even means, but it doesn't sound good at all. All of this had happened. He carries his cross up Golgotha. He's nailed to it. Suffering ensues. He's thirsty. And as he bleeds and dies, the final touch is a spear through his side just to make sure there's no movement. But before that, he says this incredible sentence. Verse 30 of John 19. He says, It is is finished. And I believe in, with all that's in me, that this is the crescendo of the moment. Yes, we focus on the shedding of blood, and that is, and you can go all kinds of theology with that. We know it's the, it's what, it's what redeems, it's what saves, it's, it's the ultimate sacrifice for the first time in, Human history, sins are not rolled forward through the sacrifice of animals, but they are abolished through the ultimate blood sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he says, it is finished. And You have to just pause there and camp out there for a minute. And I know in the story there's a lot going on. It's so busy and there's a lot of moving parts. But if we just focus on those three words, we have to wonder what all that means. We have to know that it meant whatever took place in that garden was over. That whatever carried on all of the murders and the lies and the lust and the terrible sin that man can do to each other and to our God, gone finished there's a lot wrapped up in that word it it is finished respectfully so I also believe that that statement it is finished is not just relevant to that moment like like this is my last word like this is it it is finished I am close to death it's over with I believe that yes it's It's wrapped up in there, but I also think that when he said it, those words become prophetic. They become revelatory to every situation and every soul after the fact. That word, it is finished, has rolled forward over and over and over, and it finds us here tonight. It's finished. say, well, Kevin, what exactly does that mean? Well, it means this, that I believe that when he spoke it, it broke through every limitation and it's heard by every challenge in every life. So if you're here tonight and you're in the battle for your soul or you're stuck in addiction or you're losing yourself to depression or you're beating yourself up with a hammer of shame, You need to hold on to this statement with your faith and bind yourself to it that it is finished. This is not an ancient story. To you, it may be a brand new statement. Light in a very dark place. He also does this incredible thing, if you guys will show that verse again. It says, and with that, He bowed his head, and watch this. And he gave up his spirit. I think it's very important, and you don't have to agree with this if you don't want to, but this is the way I'm going to preach it. I think it's important for us to know that no person, no ruler, no one in authority over this situation, no people group not the soldiers, not an angry mob, not the people who yelled for Barabbas. None of that. None of them killed him. No one took the life of Christ. No one murdered him. No one robbed him of this gift. He gave up. His spirit. He did what no one had done. I now choose that it's paid for. I choose that it's done. I choose that it's finished. So in my mind, I'm I'm letting this sit for just a moment and fall into my chest because I want to make sure that I understand that the Savior of my life was not murdered. No one snatched the life out of him. He gave it. He let it go. He gave up his spirit after he said, it's all done. I want to camp there for just a minute. There's obviously a lot more to preach, but I just want you to camp there for just a minute because you might be here tonight and this may be something that you've heard your whole life. But it might be something just brand new to you. That something can be finished in you. Something can be complete. Something can have the bow put on it. Something beautiful can happen in the middle of an ugly circumstance. Because it's finished. Because he had a plan. And Jesus' plan did not end With his death. And I'm so thankful for that. And it also does not end with our death. And I'm so thankful for that. You guys know I just turned 50 a couple of weeks ago. And what I'm finding out. I always heard from my parents. But what I'm finding out. Man, the older you get. The more that generation above you begins to leave the earth. You start losing grandparents. And parents, maybe siblings, friends, life happens, accidents happen, cancer happens. And you lose people. And so there's this great hope that sits in us. This is not about the two numbers on each side of the hyphen on some marker in some field. But it goes beyond that. It goes beyond this life. And this is part of the plan. This big plan is not, I'm going to rescue you while you're here on this earth. It's much, much bigger than that. And it's so in John 14 too, I love this. He told his disciples this because they are worried about it. And he says, listen, I am going to prepare a place for you. I am personally going to oversee the construction of the next phase of what happens. And that's amazing hope. Especially if you're here tonight and you're broken or you're sad or you're upset and you're depressed and you've lost someone. The plan is not over. And some of us, man, we really struggle With the thought of heaven or eternity, you don't give it a lot of thought. As a pastor, I realize that a lot of people don't think about it until the last moments. But for some, heaven seems odd to people. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if some people perceive heaven as just this weird place where it's just like clouds and a lot of gold. That would be weird. People playing harps. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. Everyone's wearing a white robe. Wings and halos and K-Love is playing in the background. Occasionally stop and raise money. Here's the good news. None of that is in the Bible. The number one questions pastors get Asked about heaven Is this Is my dog going to be there That's true Now I don't know That's the answer I don't know The Bible doesn't say if your dog is going to be there I know this I know my dog is not going to be there Because I'm pretty sure she's a Satanist I'm sure of it Projectile vomiting like the exorcist She smells like sulfur. One time, I promise, Robbie does not believe this, but one time she tracked mud all over the house and I locked eyes with her. And y'all, I promise, she went just like this. She will not be there. But there's a place for you. That's the most important part. What I love about this part of the story is him encouraging and saying, man, sometimes it is hard and sometimes it is tough and sometimes you don't know the answer, but I'm going to prepare a place for you. That's where I'll be. And I'm going to oversee it and it's going to be great. The bottom line is Jesus abolished our sin, bought us back from the grips of death and personally made a place for us to spend eternity. Now, if you're struggling to believe in heaven, or what happens after death, remember this, okay? Everything Jesus said was either true or it was not true. And you've got to get all of that in your heart tonight. That if you believe in him as the Savior, then hang on to every word, hang on to every promise, hang on to everything that he said. And lastly, and I'm going to serve communion in just a moment, so I want you to go ahead and prepare your heart for that, but Jesus wants us to remember the plan. When he met with his apostles, he breaks bread with them, and he shares cup with them, and they it's a very sacred holy moment. And Paul reminds the church at Corinth of the importance of it. And in 1 Corinthians 11:24, Paul says this to, to the, the church. He said, after he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Eat this and remember me. He's saying, when, when you do this, I want you to remember what I did. And I love when we take communion corporately because it puts us in that frame of mind where we're all fighting to think and remember and soak on what he did. And it needs to be focused. It needs to be what he did for you. Personally. And so I want you to just take pause for a moment and I want you to think about this. where. Would you be? What would your life look like tonight if he were not in it? What would your life look like? What would your story look like if he were not in it? He said, When you do this, I want you to remember the rescue. I want you to remember the forgiveness. So, these three things quickly, it is finished. There's a place for you, and he wants you to remember it. No matter how hard, no matter how tough, no matter how challenging, no matter how confusing life gets, it is finished, and there is a place for you, and he wants you to remember it.